0: You're listening to Comedy Central. November 15, 2018. From Comedy Central's World News Headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. for coming and thank you for coming out in the snow. I appreciate you guys, every single one of you. And thank you for tuning in. We have two amazing guests tonight, New York Senator and now author Kirsten Gillibrand is gonna be here. and and later in the show from the new movie Creed Two, Tessa Thompson is joining us, everybody. So that's gonna be a lot of fun, but first, there's a ton of news, so let's catch up on today's headlines. Let's start with President Trump. And before you boo, before you boo, (laughs) he's doing something you might actually like. President
1: Trump threw his support behind a deal to implement the biggest criminal justice reform this
2: nation has seen in a generation. Showcasing what would be the most sweeping prison reform agreement Uh, in decades. (laughs) And if it passes, one of the biggest bipartisan laws of his administration.
0: Americans from across the political spectrum can unite around prison reform legislation that will reduce crime while giving our fellow citizens a chance at redemption. You see? That's good news. President Trump is supporting bipartisan criminal justice reform, just in time for his entire administration to be indicted by Robert Mueller. (laughs) Just in time. (laughs) He's up there like, these criminals deserve a second term, I mean, second chance. I wonder if when Melania heard about the reduced sentences, she was like, does mean I get out of marriage early now? (laughs) Sorry, baby, you're in for life. (laughs) Speaking of getting out, it's been two years since the U.K. voted in favor of Brexit, which, of course, is a cross between brunch and exit. And the (laughs) prime minister (laughs) has just unveiled her plan on how to do it. And uh, let's just say it has turned into a bit of a clusterfugzit.
2: Breaking news right now from London, five members of Prime Minister Theresa May's government have resigned saying they cannot support the 500 page draft for Brexit that was officially submitted to the European Council today. Theresa May is right
3: now trying to explain to both sides of the Houses of Parliament and frankly she's been
2: laughed out of the room. This morning I had meetings with ministerial colleagues and others. It is a draft treaty that means that we will leave the EU in a smooth and orderly way on the 29th of March, 2019.
0: Now, as usual with British comedy, you may not understand what's so funny. (laughs) Basically, those lawmakers are laughing at Theresa May because they know that her smooth Brexit plan is ridiculous. And of course, it's ridiculous. No breakup is ever smooth, okay? You're gonna Brexit. It's not gonna be smooth. Like every breakup is like that. You think it's going well, but before you know it, she's with someone new, and then she changes the Netflix password, and then <laughs> you being arrested because you broke in to see how House of Cards ended. <laughs> but I just wanted to see how it feels to have a female president. It's <laughs> the only reason I was there. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, if you're a man who's been getting some extra looks out on the street, it's probably because your fly is down, or maybe you just forgot to shave.
3: There's a new study out that says when it comes to facial hair, women prefer a little stubble. The Journal of Evolutionary Biology surveyed 8,500 women, and they rated men at different stages. So heavy stubble, or guys that had gone 10 days without shaving, that was found to be the most attractive feature. In second came full beards, and third, light stubble, and dead last was clean shaven.
0: Wow, that's crazy, I never even thought about that. That is... (laughs) These uh, things I don't even think about, but yeah, apparently women find men more attractive when they have a beard. Although uh, I don't know if that applies to Idris Elba because even without a beard, look at him. He's still Idris Elba. Yeah, forget growing a beard. If you really want women, you should just try growing Idris Elba on your face. That's what it should be. Now the transition period is a little bit rough, but if you stick with it, it's worth it. It's worth it. All right, on that delightful note, let's move on to our main story. Ugh, I got tape all over my face now. Ah, freshly shaved. Amazon. It's the trillion dollar company that has everything from a progressive show about transgender family to an overnight shipping of an inflatable dildo chair, which at $49.99 is an absolute steal, people. You can't put a price on pleasure. Anyway, as you know by now, it's something still on my face? You're just gonna let me do the show with the stuff on my face. Anyway, as you know by now, this week, Amazon announced that they're gonna be opening two new headquarters, which sort of defeats the purpose of headquarters, but whatever, and (laughs) although politicians in New York are taking a victory lap at getting Amazon to move into their state, some people are giving the move one star.
1: Amazon's decision to put part of its new headquarters in Queens brought a bit of a backlash
3: in long island city some people are voicing concerns about their new neighbors
1: this is one of the big concerns the subway system and commuters saying that they're worried about the influx of commuters there's going to be housing issues there's going to be transportation
3: issues
0: there's going to be traffic issues pollution issues just this morning i took out my phone i deleted the amazon app off my phone yeah Yeah. (laughs) deleted the app I like how people make it seem like deleting an app is permanent. It's gone! Goodbye, Amazon! Oh, wait, wait, I need more toilet paper. Hold on, hold on. Okay, now goodbye. People do that all the time. You know how many people delete Tinder on Sunday morning and then by Sunday night they're swiping again. I'm done with Tinder. It's trash! Doop-doop-doop-doop. Now I'm horny. Hold on, hold on. Let me see. But still, but still, people are really upset that this Internet giant is coming to New York. So, For more on the Amazon move, we turn to our correspondent with the most browser tabs open, Jabuki Young-White, everybody! Do you think that this is a good or a bad move by Amazon?
3: Oh, it's worse than bad, Trevor. It's cliche. Amazon's been around for 24 years, and now they're doing what any, like, 24-year-old does. What? Move to New York and gentrify a neighborhood. (laughs) You know? They could have at least spent a
0: year teaching English in Bangladesh. Well, well, I mean, Amazon's not trying to be original. They're trying to bring jobs to New York.
3: Oh, yeah, that's just what New York needs. Another 25,000 tech bros sucking down green juice on the seven train. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, do you have any idea how crowded the subway is gonna get? It's already a non-consensual, close on orgy. I... (laughs) I literally don't know where my backpack starts and that dude's butt begins.
0: Yes, but, but what about the fact that Amazon is promising to invest $2.5 billion into New York?
3: Okay, yeah, but New York is giving Amazon $3 billion. Who wouldn't take that deal? You don't even need Amazon, you don't need it. I could give you two and a half if you promised me $3 billion. <laughs> you want jobs, count my money, bitch. <laughs>
0: Okay, I, I get it, and you joke, but they are still bringing 25,000 jobs. Well, yeah, but
3: those jobs aren't going to locals. They're bringing people in. And don't think that it won't affect you, Trevor. Just wait until the mayor tells you that The Daily Show has to be hosted by the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <laughs> I, I, actually, I actually like Mrs. Maisel. Oh, yeah, me too. I haven't seen it, but, like, I love that it exists. You
2: know?
3: <laughs> <laughs> but... You know what the worst part of this whole thing is? I just moved to Queens. That place used to have street cred, you know? Nicki Minaj, Nas, 50 Cent. But now when I tell people I live in Queens, they're
0: gonna be like, oh, okay, cool. Could you return this package for me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, look, I'm sorry, but it doesn't seem like there's anything you can do about it now, so there's Mm -hmm. no point in complaining. Mm
3: -mm, Not true, Trevor. We can get out in the streets and
0: stop Amazon before it's too late. (laughs) Oh, Ronnie Chang, everybody. It's Ronnie Chang. Thank you. Ronnie, what are you doing? Side hustle. Don't ask. (laughs) I'm ready. My package came. I'm ready to get out and grow 10. Wait, 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 wait. Did you just order your boycott Amazon sign from Amazon? Yeah. What am I going to do? Go to CVS?
3: That place is nasty.
0: Jabuki Young White, everybody. We'll be right back. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. My first guest is a Democratic senator for New York and author of the new children's book, Bold and Brave 10 Heroes Who Won Women the Right to Vote. Please welcome Senator Kirsten Gillibrand.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for coming back, and um, we'll get into the book in a moment. We were just talking about Amazon. It feels like that's what's on everybody's lips in New York. You recently commented on the whole Amazon deal. Where do you stand on it?
1: Well, I I have some concerns. I mean, I'm glad they recognize that New York is the greatest city in the world, and we have some of the greatest workforce you could possibly ever want. Um, But I'm concerned there wasn't uh, a lot of community input. Right. And we paid a great deal of money, which... Unfortunately, we still have families all across Queens, all across New York, who are struggling to make ends meet. So I just, I have some concerns.
0: It's, it's, a, it's a, an interesting dilemma for politicians to be in, where you're always trying to balance the game of pleasing corporations and then also pleasing people on the ground. When you look at a situation like this with Amazon, with um, what's happening with Mayor de Blasio and Cuomo, mm-hmm. people are saying, you didn't listen to us. Mm-hmm. And they're saying, no, but we did this for the people.
1: Right. But the problem is they gave so many financial incentives to the wealthiest, one of the wealthiest companies in the world, uh, and built a helipad for the wealthiest man in the country. I mean, it's absurd that taxpayer dollars went for that kind of investment when we as New Yorkers know how much investment we need in our infrastructure. We need better subways. We need to be able to get work on time. So it's just the comparison of, of how much was offered and the fact that we have so many other urgent needs right now.
0: That's an interesting um, conversation that I think Democrats are going to be having going forward now. The conversation of money Mm -hmm. versus politics. Mm -hmm. The Democrats have won the House. The Democrats are picking up more and more seats every single day. It seems like like there was, in fact, a blue wave. (laughs) Going forward, there has been talk of a few ideas the Democrats are pushing forward, and one of those key ones has been Getting money out of politics. Is that a realistic idea?
1: I think it's the most important thing we could try to do because everything that you want to accomplish, no matter what it is. The reason why it's so hard is because how much money the special interests, the wealthiest corporations spend on politics, and it distorts outcomes. Right. It's really not only soft corruption, but sometimes hard corruption. And so, if we want to guarantee health care as a right and not a privilege, well, then you have to take on the drug companies, and you have to take on the insurance companies. Uh, if you want to end gun violence in this country, you've got to take on the NRA and the gun manufacturers
2: <laughs> and fund it. Right. So, it's important
1: I think for all of us to understand that connection between money and politics, and we have to restore our democracy to the people, you have to really break up the current system and say we need publicly funded elections, we need greater transparency and accountability, uh, because you have to get this overwhelmingly... powerful influence mm-hmm. that the most uh, powerful moneyed interests have in outcomes. You know, this last tax bill, there's no better example, written in the dead of night by the special interests, even Republican members saying, oh, we have to get this bill passed because our donors will be fu- furious if we don't. Right. So the truth is, you really got to get money out of politics. So I'm glad that it's something that we're going to start talking about, passing um, reforms and continue the conversation with the American people.
0: Do, do you feel like laws will be passed. Do you feel like the the Democratic House will be able to work with the Republican Senate and with the Republican president?
1: I think it's possible, and you have to try. You just have to keep putting those ideas out there. And if you bring it to the people, they know that our democracy is broken, and they know that the system's rigged, and that the most powerful have such an outsized influence. So they're going to be behind it, and they'll be behind it no matter where you live, whether it's a red state or a blue state or a purple state. People want to have their voices restored, and that's really what this book is about. It's what the last election was about, that our right to vote, our voting rights, our ability to be heard... Our democracy only works when regular people stand up and demand it. Mm -hmm. And so that's one of the reasons why I wrote this book, because it tells the story about how women actually earned the right to vote and what they had to do to get there. And so we cannot... We cannot lose sight of how important that right is. And so not only money out of politics, but also voting rights.
0: It is a powerful book that's Mm -hmm. come out uh, at a very timely moment. You have more women going into um, Congress than ever before. (laughs) Um, Predominantly prominently on the Democratic side. And this book, Bold and Brave, Ten Heroes Who Won Women the Right to Vote. It's a beautiful book, and it, it seems like it's for children, but I was reading it and I was learning things. Um,
1: and, and you would. So the you interest- genuinely do, though. Yes. So you wouldn't know... I mean, Susan B. Anthony and Elizabeth right. Katie Stanton, we've heard of those suffragists, um, but do we, do we know what important roles Sojourner Truth played in actually getting the right to vote? Because she was one of the first... To talk about the intersectionality between black women who had to not only abolish slavery first, but then also needed to get the right to vote, to be right, heard, right, to have right. control over their lives. And so Sojourner was so amazing uh, because she put that issue squarely in the movement in one of the first women's rights conventions in Akron, Ohio. So she was a, a forerunner to other suffragists who came later who carried that banner Ida B. Wells and Mary Church Terrell. Same with Harriet Tubman. I mean, she, escaped slavery, and then went back to get other slaves um, free. And she never gave up. And what made her journey so powerful to me is that just the pure empathy she had for the people that she was fighting for. Right. She, said, she said, I've heard their cries, I've heard their screams, I've felt their pain, and I would give every drop of my blood to free them. I mean, that was the unbelievable strength and courage to put herself in danger every day. And you- then, after all that, she went on and, and did speeches around the country for suffrage.
0: Do you think it's, it's um, ever a bit of a, a paradox, or do you, do you find it perplexing that many women who vote today, specifically, let's say, for the Republican Party, vote in a way that many would consider against their best interests? So, for instance, you look at Brian Kemp in Georgia. You look at how many white women voted for him. You look at um, the Republican Party itself. You look at all of the votes that we saw in the midterms, and it looks like many white women are saying, yes, we, we, we're with you as women, but that doesn't mean that our vote has to go that way. Why do you think there's such a disconnect between how the Democratic Party connects with many women of color, and how many white women in America go, no, this is not the party for us?
1: Well, I think it's a really uh, difficult question, to be honest, because they really are voting against their interest. Um, but what's changing that is the women who are running who are so inspiring that they are still winning. Like The fact that you have Stacey Abrams running in Georgia, if she could win this election, she'd right. be the first black woman governor ever in our country's history. And now she's demanding that every vote be counted. Um, transformational women like Kirsten Cinema winning in a red state of Arizona. Uh, first right. bisexual woman to be elected to the U.S. Senate who grew up in poverty, who actually knew what it was like to be homeless. Uh, part of her life, she lived in a gas ta- an abandoned gas station. Mm-hmm. So when she comes to the U.S. Senate, she's gonna shake things up. So I do think things are changing, and it's changing because of the number of women who turned out to vote, it's also the number of women who decided to run, and the number of women of color who are running. It's exponentially different than in the past.
0: Before I let you go, one of the most important questions everyone wants to ask you, ask you is whether or not you're running in 2020. Now, that's a question I've heard you answer over and over again. What interests me more is what you think the plan will be when the Democrats have 100 people running for 2020. (laughs) At what point do you think, as a person, you know that you should or should no longer be in a race? I know that's a tough question to ask because you haven't even said you're running yet, but is there a plan in place so that there isn't like a shit show where there's just 100 people on stage all fighting for scraps? No. There is no plan?
1: No. Huh. Okay. I think, you know, for each person who will consider it, I think you just have to, you know, for me it's very much a moral question about whether you need to use your time and talents to serve the country in that way. Of course I will fight for New Yorkers and serve New York, um, but you ask, I have to ask my own self, do I need to do this thing because this is a moment where people have to fight back with everything they have. and. What President Trump has put out into the world is a lot of hate, a lot of division, a lot of anxiety. And all of us, all of us, you, me, everyone here, is called to do something in this moment. And we just have to decide what our something is. Thank you so much for being on the show.
0: Bold and Brave is available now. Senator Christian Gillibrand, everybody. We'll be right back. Welcome back, my next guest is an actor who stars in the new movie, Creed Two. Please welcome Tessa Thompson. <laughs> welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. What a bumper year you have had. Westworld, Creed II, New Men in Black, Annihilation, Sorry to Bother You. You're one of the few people who can binge watch themselves.
2: <laughs> no.
0: Do you ever stop and, 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 and take stock and just go like, you you are having an amazing time right now. Congratulations.
2: Thanks so much. Yeah, all the time. I feel incredibly lucky. And right. just hearing you list the things, I, I'm so excited in a time. I mean, I'm so bored of the word diversity. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, what's exciting is to have diverse ideas. Right. And I'm really, I feel so lucky that I get to make work that's so different and feel like I'm not being boxed into a space because I don't think that's been the case for so long for someone that looks like me. So I'm so grateful. I, th- I think that's something...
0: I think that's something that's been really apparent with a lot of your characters. I find that your characters are never one-dimensional. You are playing people who are complex in spaces that you wouldn't normally see them. I mean, for instance, in Thor Ragnarok, you were playing what many people would have considered was supposed to be a blonde, blue-eyed, you know, Asgardian. And here you are kicking ass, playing a character who is bisexual and she's biracial in a world that you wouldn't expect it. When you're choosing the roles... Do you bring that with you, or is it something that you look for when you're you're deciding on who you want to play?
2: Yeah, I think selfishly I'm looking for it because I want to do things that interest me, that scare me, because that's that's exciting. Um, Sort of in a macro way, I want to see women, particularly a black woman, women of color, in those spaces. So selfishly, I'm also just like... Where don't we exist? Let's get us there. Like, I remember having conversations with Justin Simeon, who I made a film called Dear White People with, and he's like, there's just not enough black people in the future. I'm like, (laughs) Yeah, let's get in the future you know um and making dear you know making a film like dear white people was was you know we, there's not enough black people that get to talk about race but with satire right you know we get to talk about it in a space with a lot of misery and pain which is real but can we also talk about it in a different way um or getting to do sorry to bother you i'm just like i love films that hang out in a space of magical realism like i remember seeing films like A Tonal sunshine and the spotless mind and being like goodness but there are just never black and brown people in those spaces. So I'm just always like, you know, where can, where can we be that right. we haven't been?
0: You've taken it to, to another level, and you are in some amazing blockbusters. I know Men in Black is coming out, but Creed 2 is out right now. Mm. And, I mean, when Creed came out, it was a film that excuse the pun knocked everybody out because it it came out of nowhere.
2: That that's genuinely is excusable. <laughs> it, it's you have
0: to excuse it because it, no but it did. It came out of nowhere like like um you know Michael B Jordan yourself it, it was a you know a, a love story on screen you play a really interesting character. She's a singer who has hearing impediments but she 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 uses it's like part of who she is as a person and in this in this uh this film I don't want to give too much away but it really feels like she is now the hero to Michael Jordan's story where Michael B Jordan's struggling as a character and she has to be that rock did you did you find that change when you were playing her
2: yeah i think so i mean you know we we wanted to create a character Ryan Coogler and i the first time around that sort of bucked convention and i think so often you see in these sports movies that the that the wife or the girlfriend is sort of this dutiful just like stand by her man she's either fretting over him or scolding him right. for his trespasses. And I, I do a fair amount of that in these movies, too, just because you have to. It's sort of requisite. But we also wanted her to just have her own agency and have something that she was after. So she's a singer. She's self-produced. She does have progressive hearing loss, but it's something that she doesn't feel, um, you know... It's it's not something that she's going to hang her hat on or, or something that she's going to let keep her from pursuing her dreams with vigor, and I think that's the case for so many people, that people that are disabled or with disabilities, they live really full, fantastic lives. Right. Um, And so I think that that's something that's, you know, really nuanced about her, and unlike a lot of female characters in those spaces that I've seen.
0: Yeah, what I found amazing in the story was it felt like your character, was helping Michael with something that he was struggling with as opposed to the other way around. You, you would think on paper he would be helping her, but it felt like she was the crutch. When you look at having that agency in real life, Tessa Thompson is not just somebody who's in front of the camera. You're now producing your own content. You're now looking at creating your own stories. You have a project that you're really excited about. What is that going to be?
2: Um it's a it's a project that I'm producing about this woman named Doris Payne, who is an eighty-six-year-old diamond thief, and she's done it for decades. Um, I first currently yeah. a diamond thief? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> as a matter of fact, in court she listed as her occupation diamond thief. <laughs> because she's a baller. <laughs> um, yeah, she's just this incredible woman that I heard about. There's a documentary about her that I watched that is fantastic. Have you seen it? Yes, you better see that doc. Um, and she, she's just so riveting, um, just as a character. And so I chased her down for two years. I sent her letters. Um, I could never get to her. And then she she's got arrested. she's a diamond thief. Yeah. Well, how
0: are, you, how are you trying to catch a diamond thief? I don't understand this.
2: Listen, ambition. <laughs> um, so I was trying to find her, and I couldn't, I couldn't get to her. She had also promised her rights, of course, because she's a con woman, to multiple people. So there was, like, a period where we couldn't mess with it. Otherwise, it could have gotten litigious. So right. I was like, okay, let me back off for a second. But then she got arrested for stealing something from Macy's or something. So I knew where she was. <laughs> she was, I wrote her, still didn't get through, right? And then she got arrested about a year ago again for stealing, uh, What after she had turned 86, $86 worth of merchandise from a Walmart. Not by surprise, because in this internet space, now every time she gets arrested, she trends for a minute. So I, I, I'm convinced that she did it on purpose so that she could get a really good deal to option her life story, which she got in the form of me. We finally <laughs> found her. <laughs> we found her. I, we sent a lawyer to Atlanta, Georgia, to bail her out. No strings attached get her settled in, and then start having conversations. And now, you know, we've been hanging out and working on the story, and I think it's a fascinating story about race. Um, I think she started this just, you know, not just to make money, but I think also because she said if she could walk in with the right bag and the right shoes, people would treat her differently. You know, she said she never thought that she was stealing anything because she only kept what they let her keep. And they would let her hang out with these diamonds and rubies and things because she looks so sharp. And I think there is something about that as, as people. You know, hopefully when we get it to a space where we're judged by our merit and, and not by what we look like. Um, <laughs> but I love her. I love her so. That's exciting. I That's... could talk forever, sorry. I'm so <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm about want, her. I
0: want to see that movie now, so we got to add that to the list. Creed II, Men in Black. Tessa Thompson, everybody. Thanks. first. Make sure you catch it. Thank Thompson. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, ears edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more.